The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who have gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm bilingual, but instead of a foreign language, I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military. I've used this unique skill to help thousands of veterans, and today I want to help you navigate the hidden opportunities and unseen risks you may face during your own transition from the military. This is the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. I had to seek sponsors. I had to seek projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to seek my, my mentors. Um, so I had to put all of that together to start down the path of gaining my certifications. So one doesn't just get a Lean Six Sigma green belt or a black belt or a master black belt. It takes a lot of planning and time and a lot of support. And so, you know, putting that together and working on projects in the Air Force um, and gaining that, that level of experience. So putting the experience and certifications together um, so I could go into industry and say, or services and say, you know, here's what I've done. Here's how I've done it. Here's the degree of value I've added to, you know, this, this area. Um, and here's how it translates going forward in your business. Here's how I can help in, in finance. Today, I would like to welcome Greg Austin. Greg served 22 years in the United States Air Force, where he started as an electrical and environmental specialist. As he progressed into leadership roles, he completed his career as the MAGCOM career field functional manager for two maintenance career fields. Before transitioning, he networked with many veterans to identify their challenges and struggles and came up with his own risk mitigation and management plan. This plan, including gaining the right education and certifications and accumulating the right assets at the right time. His first position outside the military was as a lean process engineer for a large investment firm. And today he works as a process engineer for a large financial institution. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you. Well, I know I mentioned it briefly in your bio and I am sure that you're going to talk to us more about it, but I know you well enough to know that you're a planner who does really like to focus on risk management. So I want you to tell us a little bit about how and when 
this plan was created? So my plan was really created, I think, in the beginning of my career. In retrospect, I didn't know that's what I was doing at the time, but it wasn't until about 15 years in when I realized that I was headed down the path to, to really execute, you know, the, the, the plan that I had in place. And so, you know, if I, if I look all the way back to the beginning of my career, I recognized that, you know, I, I really wanted to be an engineer or things that I wanted to do um, in, in industry and for other businesses. And so I wasn't quite sure how to get there. And <clears throat> so, you know, I was in a, I was in a position where I couldn't um, go to school. I couldn't really go to school. I really couldn't work on those objectives. So that was sort of where my ideas came into play, you know, and I started jotting those down, um, started, you know, not necessarily creating a plan, but more so uh, just, just sort of ideas. And so just documenting those and understanding kind of, you know, not where I wanted to be, but um, sort of what I wanted to do. And so, yeah, um, so when I had the opportunity to finally, you know, start that education, um, it wasn't until about five years later. And so I started heading down a path of, of engineering where I thought I wanted to be. And, you know, in, in, in hindsight, that's not exactly uh, where I wanted to be. And so I had to create a pivot and, and do something a little bit different. Okay. And so when you were in that engineer, you went into engineering management as a education career field, right? And so what, what process of your engineering management degree program helped you prepare for your transition? Yeah, and so just taking a step back from that just a little bit. So I started out as an electrical engineer and went through three years of electrical engineering and then realized it's not what I wanted to do the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of information there. But yeah, I discovered the engineering management career field. And so engineering management isn't a manager of engineers. It's more of um, managing, you know, like, like risk, managing um, areas of business. And it's, it's more business related than it is, you know, anything else. It kind of, you know, mirrors industrial engineering um, from a services sector perspective. But uh, what drove me down that path was my desire for um, executing change, you know, um, sort of like changing processes for the better, making, you know, life better for, for people, for workers, for, you know, customers, whatever. And so I realized I've been doing that throughout my, my career. So when I discovered, you know, engineering management, uh, I was like, man, this is a great fit. This is perfect for me. <laughs> um, and so I discovered that about, about 2015. So, you know, about four or five years before my retirement. And so I realized, you know, I, I can, I can, complete this degree, it'll, you know, satisfy my, my desire for, you know, helping out, you know, industry, financial, medical, whatever. Um, and, you know, give me the, the skills I need, you know, outside of the Air Force. And so, you know, once I, once I started that degree, it was full force, you know, I couldn't stop. <laughs> it sounds like you use some of those same concepts to assess your transition, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, as I'm studying engineering management, you know, so risk mitigation or risk management is a huge portion 
of, of engineering. And so it doesn't matter, you know, if we're, if we're engineering a rocket or, you know, engineering a process at a bank or, you know, something that we do in the military on a regular basis, you know, engineering is, well, risk management is, you know, a, a key portion of what we do. And so, you know, I thought, you know, why not apply that to my transition? And so about four years out, I started documenting, you know, what, you know, what apprehensions do I have about retirement? What is, you know, what's that angst, you know, and sort of documenting that. And so writing down, you know, all of my, my concerns, all of my issues, and then started seeking folks to seeking out folks that could, you know, talk to me about their transitions and not, not specifically targeting, but, you know, just, you know, over about a four or five year period asking those questions. So I would seek, I would seek uh, people that are about to retire, making the decision to retire, um, like folks that have already selected to retire, they click the button, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And even folks that, that retired, you know, well before me to understand, you know, what were their challenges? What were their successes? What do they wish they had would have done, you know, and, and right. so a very non-trivial question is if you could go back, what would you do different? And so I think that was probably my go-to question, you know, and just hear what people have to say. I mean, people will, will, will talk about those things. Like what we're doing right now. So <laughs> exactly. you, you mentioned kind of assessing what was causing you angst and anxiety. So what was your biggest fear coming into the transition and did you find it to be justified? Yeah, so my, my biggest fear was not, I had the feeling of not being qualified, as qualified or having the experience that my, my civilian sector peers, I, you know, I thought should have. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm working at a financial institution, I would expect that my peers have been working in that area for 15 or 20 years. And so I felt like my military experience probably wouldn't translate a whole lot uh, to that sector. And so what I discovered is, you know, that that's false, you know, that's a hundred percent false. And so what I realized is, well, you know, some of these folks have, have great experience and, you know, I learn from them, you know, every day Um, from the military, especially 20 plus years, we bring more of a strategic level experience to the team. And, you know, that's, that's not trivial, you know, that's extremely important and it adds value. So, you know, learning how to leverage that, I think, on, on the team is something that I'm, I'm learning now. You mentioned kind of, you know, having that fear of, can I compete? Can I add value in the private sector? And so let's look at how have you been able to leverage your military experience, which wasn't in a bank, wasn't in a financial institution, how have you been able to leverage that experience and skills as a process engineer in the financial world? Sure. So, you know, in the military, you know, we, I'll start with, you know, we, we work on teams. Every, you know, it's a team effort. Nothing we do in the military is an individual effort. And so, you know, we have a great understanding either, either through, through professional military education or, um, you know, whatever. Um, we, we know how to work on teams. And so we can collaborate. We can, you know, make sure you know, everybody's included. So we have this, you know, inclusiveness. And so, 
you know, that's, that's one of, one of the pieces. The other piece is the, the leadership. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we don't leave the, the air force or the military after 20 years without some level of understanding and leadership. A large majority of the folks that I work with today don't have that leadership experience. And so, um, you know, we can leverage that to sort of guide our teams to, you know, say at the finish line or, you know, through tough situations. Um, I feel like, you know, at 20 years, it's kind of innate, you know, in our, in our, uh, our characters and, and sort of how we, how we handle problems, you know, problem solving. Um, so we can definitely leverage that. Uh, the other piece is the strategic leadership, right? So, you know, coming out of a, a MAGCOM position, you know, we had a, sort of a, a 30,000 foot view of, of some very tough problems, some very tough um, uh, issues. And so again, our, our, you know, my, my industry peers don't sort of have that strategic mindset. And so, you know, I can, I can work at the level, I can work at different levels appropriately. You know, I can work at the tactical, the organizational or strategic level, you know, within the financial uh, institution. And so, um, you know, I try to keep everything I do grounded in the strategic level and business objectives, but also make sure that, you know, what our teams are doing are, are in line with those objectives. And it's, um, I think it's a lot easier to keep, you know, the eye on the ball that way. How, what advice would you give to someone that is trying to kind of translate what they did in the military into a completely different career field? Like how, how did you sell that to, you know, in the interview and the resume and your LinkedIn, how did you do that? Yeah. So um, that's a, that was a difficult question for me to answer. And so the first time somebody actually asked me that question was a former colleague or former boss in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you go from, from what you did to financial? And so, you know, being a, a process engineer specifically, you know, a process is a process. It doesn't matter if it's an aircraft signal that goes through a system and ends up, you know, it, it's all about inputs and outputs. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's a, a bank loan or if it's an investment or if it's a, a signal from point A to point B, it's still a process. And so I understand processes very well. And it was really easy, you know, sort of to translate what, you know, I, I know sort of in the military to the financial sector um, from that perspective. Now there's a steep learning curve with um, like regulations and, um, compliance and stuff like that. But, you know, those things can be learned as you go. It's, it's really not, not too difficult, but it's not necessarily, you know, a huge leap. So um, what I would offer is, you know, folks that are, that are trying to relate what they do now to what they're going to, um, I would say that it probably 50 to 80% of what they're currently doing would translate, whether it's, it's, it's leadership, um, leading teams, you know, um, sort of managing processes, right? Managing processes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, we all do that in the military to some degree, you know, it doesn't matter what, what right. <laughs> rank. Okay. I mean, it sounds like really it's about changing your perspective, right? It's changing the way you look at your military experience, right? If you say, here's where I want to go and you look at the qualifications of where you want to go, then you evaluate your military career and say, well, I've done that. I just called it something different. Yeah. And so it's changing your perspective, isn't it? 
A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, and, and in some cases it's flipping that perspective upside down, you know, my initial look at, okay, so what do I do? What is a functional manager? Right. And so a functional managers is by definition, a function of, of like a career field or like, like one type of work, mm-hmm. you know, so like a general manager and an area manager. And so I'm trying to correlate what are the civilian type duty titles with the military type duty titles. And I think that was kind of the wrong approach. You know, the right approach, you know, was sort of, you know, what do I do today? And sort of what does that look like tomorrow? And then obviously looking at the, um, the correlation instead of trying to line up, you know, draw that line between duty titles. You know, the advice I would give is look at a job posting and you know, then take out the, that key skill, right? And then look at your history, your work experience and just say, okay, now tell a story of how you've done that exact item, that exact skill, that exact task in your military world, right? Write it out and right. then try to marry the two together using the different terminology from the job posting when you write your resume bullet, your LinkedIn, your interview (laughs) answer, just change your language. And, but you've most likely done those tasks in the military. You just have to, again, look at it differently. Tell the story of how you use that skill. Right. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, to your point on that, I think, you know, in, in 20 years, it's aggregating that information. So, you know, we've, we've, all written, you know, performance reports and all of that. So it's documented, everything's documented. It's sort of aggregating that, you know, into a resume and, you know, talking to the job post. Yeah, absolutely. So when I met you a few years ago, a year and a half, I can't remember how long it was. Anyway, you already (laughs) had a lot of certifications. You'd completed your education. You had a very clear picture of what you wanted to do next. So how did you decide what you wanted to do and how did you determine the skills and certifications you needed to obtain to set yourself up for success? Sure. And how far out did you do that? Like how far back did you really start <laughs> looking at that? Let's be realistic. Cause it sounds like it was a while. Yeah, it was quite a while. Um, it, and like I said, in retrospect, I realized, you know, later in my career, what I had been doing earlier in my career um, whether it was intentional or not, you know, that's, that's sort of the path I was headed down. But, you know, how did I decide what, what certificates, training, uh, well, certifications, training, and, and education mm-hmm. was important? Um, you know, again, it wasn't until um, later in my career that I decided, you know, what degree was going to best suit, you know, where I was going. Mm-hmm. And, even then in the middle of my degree, you know, there's, there's, so for for process engineering or lean and six Sigma or agile or scaled agile framework, all of these, these new things that are making their, their way through industry. um, I learned that, you know, in, in, in industry, like making things. So in manufacturing, for example, um, that was sort of the birthplace for, for my, my background in education. And so, you know, they've, for the most part, already cracked that nut and they're refining it. 
Um, so it's like, okay, that, you know, I could definitely work in that area. Um, I would still need the certificate. I still need the education. Uh, I still need some of that experience, you know, what I'm currently doing. Um, but that's really not an area I want to work. So, you know, I, I would learn from that. That's perfect. I came from an industrial environment. Um, I can apply one-to-one when I was learning at the time in the Air Force, which was great. You know, I gained that experience, but it wasn't necessarily so exciting for me, you know? So what was exciting was, um, or still is, uh, so, so lean in Six Sigma or lean in, in finance, lean in, in um, investments, lean in medical, you know, that's sort of like, I want to say like the frontier of what an industrial engineering would be doing in a services sector. And so those things haven't been quite figured out. And there, there were some very, very tough problems in financial, economics, medical, uh, as we know from political areas. So that is really exciting to me. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at that and said, that's where I wanna be. I wanna be in finance, I wanna be in medical. One of those two, maybe both, I don't know. Um, And then I decided, you know, I want to do at least three to five years working as a process engineer in these areas. I need an understanding of what's going on um, and maybe possibly, and, and so uh, publicly, I've never said this, but I want to start a business and I want to do these things for, for you know, lean and medical. Um, but I need an understanding. I need some learning. So then backtrack, you know, um, around 2015, 2016 timeframe, I kind of made that decision. You know, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to, to work. And that's where I want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only with the education, I had to complete that. Um, I needed the certificates. <laughs> I need to get certain. You retired in 2019, right? 2019, yeah. Okay. Yep. And so, you know, starting that plan, I had to seek. Um, I had to seek sponsors. I had to seek projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to seek my my mentors. Um, so I had to put all of that together to start down the path of gaining my certifications. So one doesn't just get a Lean Six Sigma green belt or a black belt or a master black belt. It takes a lot of planning and time and a lot of support. And so, you know, putting that together and working on projects in the Air Force um, and gaining that that level of experience. So putting the experience and certifications together um, so I could go into industry and say, or services and say, you know, here's what I've done. Here's how I've done it. Here's the degree of value I've added to, you know, this, this area. Um, and here's how it translates going forward in your business. Here's how I can help in, in finance. I think that's really important just to showcase your value. Like, and you can using examples of your history or work history to showcase how you can add value going forward. That's really important. Let's circle back to the. Sorry, I'm sorry. Let's go back to the beginning of that question, and and so you ask, how far back did that go, right? Okay. Yes. And yeah, so um, in in reality, and what I realized, so I've gone back and read through some of my performance reports to see, okay, what what did Greg do like 20 years ago, type of thing, right? And so in the very beginning of my performance reports was a, a lot of process improvement. A lot of things that I do today for, you know, um, banks and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and what I did in the Air Force later in my career, um, I was actually doing as a, um, a technician, you know, at that time. And so that's really, I think, where, where my passion grew. And that's sort of how I started shaping, you know, where I was going to go. So I would say about two years into my career. Wow. 
<laughs> so you, you've really been on that path. I think, you know, we all have that, that zone of genius, right? Where we are just in the flow and we're, we're, you know, you know, you're firing on all cylinders, right? And I think that's great that you found it and everybody needs to find that. And what you were in the military, what you did and were good at doesn't necessarily have to be what you did and are going to be good at in the private sector. Um, but what can you pull from that experience, right? So you were process improvement in an aviation maintenance operation. And just to be able to translate that to a financial institution, that's, that's great that you were able to do that. So that's good. What, uh, if you think about the biggest surprise what was a, a big surprise for you in your transition? Something maybe that your risk mitigation plan didn't have in it. Yeah, so my 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 risk mitigation plan um, was, I mean, it was it was pretty full blown, and so talk, <laughs> I imagine <laughs> yeah, if you talk with anybody that I that I worked with right before retirement, you know, they they made fun of me every day about how excessive they thought it was, <laughs> but you know, I. I thought I had planned for every scenario. I did. And so I had multiple, multiple timelines, multiple values, dollar values to those timelines. So I actually created, you know, what is this timeline worth to me financially, um, experience wise, um, you know, and, and how can I, I translate that? But something I didn't expect is how early my retirement came. So I, I planned for a specific date. And uh, I think this is important because it doesn't really matter how much we plan, um, something, you know, is, is going to go wrong. Yes. And so in, in military, you know, we know this, that, that no plan survives first contact with the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in my case, multiple plans didn't survive first contact with, you know, my retirement timeline. And so... Um, I think that's, you know, for me, it was a challenge. I had to get through that. My timeline was very compressed. You know, I thought I had about 14 months and it was chopped down to about six months from the time I found out to the time, you know, my effective retirement date, uh, which is, is very fast. Yes. Um, so, so that was a challenge getting everything lined up and being prepared um, just to go through the motions, you know, and, and believe it or not, it's not easy to get out of the military. <laughs> you know, I bet that if you didn't have as comprehensive a plan as you had that, you know, losing that eight months, right. From 14 months down to six months could have thrown you for a loop and, and you probably would have struggled a lot more. I think it would have been devastating actually. Um, I mean, Maybe, maybe not devastating is the right word, but it would have been, you know, significantly more difficult. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's not like, so, I mean, there, there's multiple reasons why people leave the military on, on short notice, you know, so whatever the reason, um, yeah, that would have been significantly more challenging had I not been as prepared as I was. Right. And, you know, some things we, we just can't plan for. So, I mean, that, that could have occurred, you know, somewhere in the middle of, of my, you know, education or gaining certificates or um, what have you. But, you know, the, the fact is, is you know, it, it, it did help significantly. And there are a lot of things, you know, in retrospect that I didn't have to worry about. I bet all those people that made fun of you and your plan would probably pay you money for that right now. So maybe you should market that. I, you know, I'm just playing. You never know. <laughs> that might be your your 
business, the military risk mitigation plan. Yeah, absolutely. By Greg. <laughs> Not a bad idea. So <laughs> what so if you think about your transition, your the success that you've achieved in your transition, like before, during, and after, what were kind of your keys to success? So you know, initially, you know, the keys to success, obviously, is is choosing a path. Like, I, I need to know where I'm going. And so I kind of have this drive to know what's next. And so I, I, I typically plan about 10 years out. Um, and of course, those are fuzzy plans. Uh, but I typically plan about 10 years out. And then, you know, from there, I start setting goals. And they're incremental goals. It's not, it's not huge, you know. And so every day, every single day, I get up and I think, how can I make a 1% difference in my life today to get towards the goal that I have set, say, 10 years from now? Um, I have a five-year plan, a three-year plan, a one-year plan. Um, and so I have those plans. And of course, you know, the closer they are, the more focused they are. And so, you know, how do I incrementally make those changes in my life or my family's life to, to get you know, to where we want to go. And so that's what I did up until my retirement. The closer I got, the more focused it got, um, the more deliberate my, my actions and decisions were. Um, but, but during the transition, so, I mean, actually leaving the military, it, it seems kind of like a blur. You know, if I, if I look back and think, okay, from the time I was, I was notified to the time I got out, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, a, a blip in time. <laughs> um, but sort of transitioning like, like, like after the fact. Um, so obviously a success would be, you know, landing a job in, in the sector that I wanted to work, you know, in, in a couple of high profile companies, which is, which is amazing. Um, but also something that wasn't quite as planned um, and maybe a lesson learned on, on my part was taking a job that necessarily wasn't um, really wasn't into, and it wasn't the company, the company was amazing, but I was consulting to that company. And so you're consulting based off, you know, from one project to another, from another company. And so there's a little bit of risk there. And so we talk about risk mitigation and, you know, managing my overall risk portfolio. Um, to me, that was a little bit more risk and I was willing to assume as my, my primary job. And so, you know, I would love to have worked for the company I was consulting to um, full time, but it just wasn't an opportunity. And so um, hindsight, I probably should not have taken that, that job originally. Um, I should have waited or, you know, there were, there were other opportunities available that I thought maybe were, were a little bit farther out. And so I just kind of had that drive to take the first job. Okay. Um, but yeah, definitely some lessons learned there. And I did gain a lot of experience while consulting, you know, in that sector. So that was amazing. So you put a lot of time into your plan. You started many years ago, but let's say that someone's listening. They don't have 10 years, right? So what do you say to someone that says, I don't have the time to come up with such a detailed plan? I'm, you know, six months out, or maybe I'm too busy working and doing my job. <laughs> yeah, so so two completely um, distinct scenarios there, but yeah. Yes. So let's let's go with the the person that's got a very short timeline. Um, they haven't done you know most of the the preparation, you know that they think that you know they, they maybe they should have done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, 
I think a lot in my spare time. And, and so, and I, I jot down those, those ideas, but somebody at, at say six months or a year out, um, identify where you want to be. First thing, identify where you want to be, you know, or, or a multitude of things, you know, I might have five options, but narrow it down. So, you know, pick three, maybe five things, see what they have in common and see how that matches up with what you currently have. How, how can you align those things? Um, this goes along with the gap analysis. So, right. you know, they have to identify it. I like to say what I want to be when I grow up, <laughs> right? Because that's what we all have to figure out when we get out of the Air Force or the military. Yeah. What do we want to be when we grow up? So figure that out um, and then do the gap analysis. Here's what I currently possess. Here's how it translates and what are the gaps? And then start working on those gaps. You know, what's the biggest gap and how can I make that difference today? Can I fill it with a certification? How long does it take to get the certification? You know, um, bridge that gap. So somebody that's maybe a longer period out, obviously um, they have a lot more time to prepare. So, you know, a, a, you know somebody's trying to get a, a four-year degree, so they're an undergraduate or graduate, or maybe even, you know, some other type of learning, um, you know, four years is probably the, a, a decent period of time right. to work on that. But, you know, the, the person who says, well, I don't have time, I'm busy working, right? So um, I would say that, you know, we have plenty of time. And so a lot of my, my critical thinking and, and ideas and kind of where I wanted to be, typically were on deployments. So, you know, it didn't matter, you know, what deployment of the, and you're working 14, 16 hours. Sometimes you work, I'm, I'm sure, you know, 24, 36 hours, you know, depending on what you do, but we have time to think. We have time to carry a notebook and jot down notes. We have mm -hmm. time to write down those ideas. And then, like I said, you know, a 1% increase every day. So I'm in the field, I jot down a note, I have an idea, right? I'm not thinking about it, but the idea pops into my head, write it down, you know, document that. Um, and then go back to it. You know, when you do have time, when you settle down from, from your day or whatever, just take a look at it, read it, read it before you go to bed. You know, you're going to have a lot of insights and, and, and way forward. And that's sort of how I, I have always, you know, worked through that. So there's plenty of time. Um, I would argue that, that being busy at work is not an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, have you ever, um, had something coming up in your future that you just didn't want to do? And so you just <laughs> pretended it wasn't coming and you busied yourself with other things. And then the day comes and like, oh no, I didn't have a plan for this. And unfortunately, I think that's the way that some veterans approach their transition is they bury their head in the sand and say, well, I'll deal with that when it comes. And you've got to be proactive. And I think that everything you're talking about has, is so valuable because it really is a long-term planning process that you've got to put into action. And I hope that we're getting this in front of people who you know, have that couple of years so that they can make those plans. But I do really believe that even if you're a month out, six months out, you know, six weeks out, you've got to have that plan in place. Otherwise, you know, you're going to do the spray and pray, as I like to say, with the resume, or, you know, you just kind of paper the world with generic resumes and you just can't, that's not going to be an effective strategy. So I like how you said, first and foremost, figure out what you want to do next. 
right. and then do the gap analysis. And how can you use your military skills to fill those gaps? I think that's really valuable. So thank you for that. Yeah, I, I think it's so important. So I really like your 1% concept. Have you ever heard of the book Atomic Habits by James yeah. Clear? Yep, absolutely. Yep. I actually have it on my Audible. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised by that. So I think he talks a lot about that. Just uh, small micro habits, micro changes in your habits every day add up to really big impacts. And I for think the positive. That, that is so true. For the positive. Yes, yes. For, <laughs> for the positive. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Work the other way. <laughs> well, today I ate one candy bar. Tomorrow I'm going to eat. No, not like that. No. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, if you could go back and redo anything in your transition, what would you do different? I think... You know, if, if I could go back, I think I would probably network a lot more than I did. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit introverted when it comes to, you know, making connections. And so I think maybe that was a bit of a, um, maybe a bit of a struggle for me. But if I could go back at a, at a much younger <laughs> or, you know, beginning of my Air Force career, I think I would, I would ask these questions a lot more. Um, I think I would connect outside of the air, inside the Air Force, but also outside the Air Force with folks, you know, of, of you know, the, the industry I want to go to. So, you know, th those industry peers. Um, it's much easier today with like LinkedIn and social media, you know, those things didn't exist, um, <laughs> you know, right. say, say 20 years ago. But, you know, we did have that, that mechanism to, you know, in, in person, go do that. And so um, I think, you know, probably, I would say probably about 2013 timeframe, maybe it's before that, you know, I thought maybe I want to go into medical. I, I knew finance, I knew medical. Um, maybe I wanted to do like, like something in pharmacy. And so um, I made it a point to go talk with like pharmacists. So I, like I went to like, at the time, the Medical University of South Carolina I went and talked to their, their um, director of pharmacy, just mm -hmm. kind of get an idea. What do you guys do? How does your operation work? Whatever. Um, to see if that's something that I would like to do. Um, and I've talked to other folks as well, but I think I wish I would have done that more. I made, made more meaningful connections with uh, folks in the, in the industry that I wanted to go to. Um, and, and learn from them. There's, there's a lot of learning that can take place. What, what certifications they have, what makes them competitive? What do I need to make myself competitive, you know, with, with their industry? Um, so yeah, I, I think if I could go back, that's what I would do. I do think networking is a really big part of the planning process because, you know, sitting down with someone that doesn't understand the military and learning how to tell them what you do today and how you think it relates to where you want to go. That's almost like a practice resume writing session, an interview session. So I do believe that that could be really valuable to everyone to do more networking, to talk with people in industry and, uh, and make those connections. Absolutely. That is great advice. So if you think back to you know, your biggest lessons learned, by the way, no one ever just gives one. So if you want to give more than one, you can, but <laughs> your biggest lessons learned from the transition process, what do you want to share today? So yeah, biggest, I would say biggest lessons learned um, 
start early. And I, you know, say lessons learned, you can have positive lessons learned and negative lessons learned. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's some, you know, rakes in the yard, so to speak, along the way. <laughs> um, you know, and there's some, there's some good things that come out of that. But, you know, some of the, some of the positives from my perspective is, is early planning, or at least, at least documenting that, right? And so um, early planning, you know, having what I would call a plan to deviate from <laughs> plans, not going to change or the plan would probably change, you know, it probably mm -hmm. won't survive the first iteration or the second, or maybe even the third. So, you know, kind of have that plan um, and understanding when, you know, when to execute that plan, there's a right time, you know, you can execute too early or too late. Right. And so knowing that, knowing the risk of, of one way or the other, I think is, is incredibly important. Um, and like I said, just, just making those contacts, you know, it's something that I didn't do well. And I think I, I could have done better. And, and it really wasn't until the last five years of my career where I've expanded, you know, my, my connections and talking with folks and, and really understanding what I'm up against in, in that transition. So you did not use networking to obtain your first role outside of the military. Is that right? I did not. And no. so, yeah, okay. well, and I had, I had offers. I did have offers in, in industry and sort of in, in aerospace. Okay. And that's really not where I wanted to be. And so, you know, going into something completely new out of, out of aerospace into finance <laughs> investments, you know, I didn't have any connections. I really didn't. And so um, another part of my gap analysis was understanding, you know, what don't I know? What am I not good at? Mm -hmm. And recognizing that and asking for help, like helping with a resume. You know, I obviously hired somebody very good. Okay. <laughs> At, uh, at working my resume. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't good at that. And I recognized it. I'm not good at, at personal branding. So the LinkedIn piece, right. And so um, those are things that I had to say, okay, um, it's, it's stressful for me. I don't really know how to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it effectively. So who can help me out with that? Um, so thank you, Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, recognizing those gaps and seeking help, we can't, like, I couldn't solve every problem coming out. And I think that's a huge lesson learned, you okay. know, where can I leverage other people's expertise to help me get where I need to be and, and recognize that value. Know your strengths, pick your battles, right? I think that's, exactly. that's important as well. So that's, you know, and I think that's even kind of ties back into your risk mitigation plan is that you're not going to be good at everything and recognize those weaknesses, identify if those are weaknesses that you want to beef up in yourself or if you can get external assistance on overcoming those. So I think that is great. I hope that uh, the people listening to this episode really think about planning. Start carrying around that notebook, start <laughs> jotting down your ideas, start networking with more people and really take the time for yourself to create a plan and work that plan to take control of your own transition. I think that is a great message, Greg. And I really appreciate you sharing that process with us today. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome.
you let me know if you want to market that Greg Austin transition <laughs> risk management plan and we'll we'll put something together. Okay. So we'll have a link to it in the show notes. No. <laughs> he did say he wanted to start his own business someday. So maybe that will be it. You never know. I do. So yeah, one of my goals is to have seven sources of income. So I'm working on that. <laughs> okay. Got it. Seven. That's a, that's a healthy source of income. Good. I, yeah, you know what? I have no doubt that you're going to make it happen. So I will look forward to seeing that one day. Thank you so much for being here today. And I appreciate you sharing all of your lessons learned with our listeners. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Lessons Learned for Vets. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help smooth your path during your transition from the military, then I have done my job. If you haven't already, please click subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, leave us a review and share our podcast with your friends. Connect with me on LinkedIn and join the Lessons Learned for Vets Facebook community to tell me what lesson you learned today. See you next time.